And welcome to Ray Mahuvim. This is Rabbi Yitz Greenfield, MS Marriage and Family Therapy. I'm so happy you're joining me today. Today. <clears throat> okay. We have a very exciting show today. Thank you so much for listening. Wow, there is so much going on here on JB Radio. Unbelievable. For those of you who are new listeners, here's what we do. We try to empower you with skills and tools to help you, those of you who are married. And by the way, those of you who are not married also, if you're not married, doesn't mean you should, you should not listen to the show. If you're not married yet, what that means is, Be'ez Hashem, you're going to get married. Um, right? All of us, Be'ez Hashem, are going to get married. And then we're going to have to just like wing it. So why, why do you want to wing it? Why do you want to just sort of like try and fail and try and fail and try and fail and try again? And it's such... I'm not blaming anyone because it's funny. I would actually talk about blaming today. I'm not blaming anyone. But for whatever reason it is, it seems like a lot of us are not getting marriage education. Marriage education is – I'm not talking about chazan and classes. I'm talking about marriage education where you know what the purpose of marriage is, what the primary needs of a man and a woman is, um, what the most important components of a marriage – what it means to let go, how to let go, when not to let go, when to negotiate, when not to negotiate, all this type of stuff. This has to be learned, has to be taught, has to be learned. So um, a lot of us are not really learning that. Those of you who listen to me, Baruch Hashem, Hod Hashem Kitov, and I really should thank Hashem for all of this because it's really not me. It's really all a Kalish Baruch Hu. But thank you for listening. And today we are going to continue Something that we have started, for those of you who listen to my shows, and we're going to talk today about something that almost for sure happens in your marriage. Hopefully it doesn't happen a lot. If it happens a lot, so instead of getting upset and saying, oh great, who did I marry? If I wouldn't marry the other one, of course we don't talk like that, but in the back of your mind to think. We, we, I feel like we're fighting like cats and dogs. We never stop fighting. So I want to tell you, these are challenges that Hashem is giving us. And if we succeed with these challenges, you know what happens? Let me tell you what happens. First of all, you're connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You really are. You're connected to Hashem because you're being like Hashem. Chesed Chinam HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the one who gives us, gives us things and we don't deserve it. So we're being like Hashem. And number two, what happens in... Also, is that you are connecting to your spouse in an unbelievable way. Because these setbacks, these setbacks, you should know, if you handle them correctly, ultimately, it could bring you closer. And the reason for it is because it allows you opportunity to then invest in your relationship, to focus on your relationship, and to ultimately connect to your spouse. I'm not saying people fight and because you fight, then you get closer. No. What I'm saying is that instead of it becoming a fight and if you work it out, then your spouse, before even it becomes a fight, then what happens is your spouse receives their primary need. This is a very important piece, okay? Because this is what I want to talk about today. I, I, I really haven't spoken about it. But I, I want to... Thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you for listening. This is a live show, by the way. Yeah, this is a live show. Um, for those of you who are listening to it on the, on the, on the day which it is being broadcast. 
and I'm doing it, which today is February 1, February 1st, 2018, 2018, and you might be listening to me in different veins, a lot of different ways to listen to me right now. Okay, we'll talk about it later. But right now, <clears throat> but right now, let's talk about your car. <laughs> Why am I talking about your car? Let me tell you I'm talking about your car, if you have a car. You know, for those of you who drive cars, you know that besides, you know, the controls of the car, which is the steering wheel, the pedal, the uh, the, the the transmission lever, etc., what you have in your car, on your dashboard, you have these warning lights. And these warning lights, for those of you who drive cars, know they pop up. They pop up. The lights pop up. Either maintenance needed, oil needed, um, low on water, overheating, or engine problem. And what happens is when you get these warning lights under normal circumstances, what you want to do is you want to take it to the mechanic and say, look, I got a problem. Can you please fix it? I have a, there's a problem with my car. I can't. I don't want to drive anymore before you fix the problem. But many of you don't do that, and you know that. Many of you, when the warning lights come on in your car, instead of like paying attention to it and doing something, you ignore it. You just ignore it. Now, you might ignore it for two reasons. Either you ignore it because it's not so important for you right now. Eventually, you'll get to it. So, you know, if there's a warning light that you're, I don't know, there's a warning light that there's a problem with, say, maintenance needed. And you know that means you need to take do an oil change, right? It's actually funny because I tell you this. I actually have this on my car right now where I know I need an oil change, right? So now what happens is you could say, okay, I'm not getting into it right now. I'm not going to run right now to the place and fix it. Uh, whatever. It's okay. I got a couple of miles on it. I don't have time right now. And that's that's one reason you might do it. The other reason you might not do it is because it's a big problem. You see, it's an engine problem and you just can't afford it. So you're just going to ride it out. And, you know, it's just, I don't have the money right now type of thing. And the third reason is because you might know that there's really no problem. Meaning that the engine light might go on in your car, but you've already taken it to the mechanic. And the mechanic is telling you that there's really nothing wrong with your engine. There's a problem with the sensor. You hear me? It's not a problem with the engine. It's a problem with the sensor that keeps on going on and off. It's being triggered by mistake because there's some sort of wires that are crossed or it thinks that it's sensing something wrong with your exhaust, but there's really nothing wrong. There's a problem with the sensor. <clears throat> so either you're going to fix the sensor or you're going to ignore the sensor and you're not really interested in it and you're going to cognitively ignore the sensor. Now, if it's something small, then you can ignore it. If it's something big, then you have to start reconsidering it every time. Meaning if the engine light goes on, yeah, oh, I'm not, I'm not, I don't care about it. You cannot care about it, but it might be a serious thing. If the oil light goes on and you know you just gave your car an oil change and you check the oil, there's oil in your car, then you know what? I'm just going to ignore it. I'm just going to ignore it. I'm going to ignore the sensor because there's something wrong with the sensor. And you go on and you drive. And you know what happens ultimately? Let me tell you what happens ultimately. 
the sensor goes off. This has actually happened to me. I know it sounds like I'm making this up, but I want to tell you something. It has happened to me numerous amounts of times. Maybe it happens to you too. <clears throat> but the sensor light goes on and you check. Sometimes you actually fix the problem and then <clears throat> the sensor light goes on, goes off. And sometimes you don't have to fix anything. It's just a sensor light just after a while. You checked it and the sensor light <clears throat> goes off. It goes away. This is especially true when you rent like new cars. They rent a car. It's like, well, there's a problem. The guy says, don't worry about the problem. The light's going to go off. Ignore the problem. It's not really a problem. It's a problem with your sensor. Ladies and gentlemen, I am telling you now, bivadois, not maybe, not could be, but 1,000%, you have sometimes faulty sensors. You hear what I'm saying? And I'm not talking about in your vehicle. I'm talking about in your head. I'm talking about me too. We all have faulty sensors. We have faulty sensors that tell us there's a problem. And when I'm talking about, I'm talking about what engine? I'm not talking about what, what am I talking about? Which vehicle? I'm talking about your relationship. I'm talking about the vehicle called relationship, connection with you and your husband, you and your wife, where if the car is well, if the car is functioning well, then you feel at one with your husband. You feel connected. You feel good. You feel balanced. You feel relaxed. You feel fine. And sometimes, and this gentlemen is for you too. Sometimes what happens is we have a sensor. And you know what those sensors are? Those are emotional sensors. You see, in our brain, we have two things. We have the, the, the cognitive side of our brain, the thinking analytical part of our brain, and then we have the emotional part, the feeling part of our brain. Now what happens is our, the feeling parts of our brain get triggered generally based on a feeling. It's, we don't know if it's true, but we feel that our husband is not providing us with our primary needs. We feel threatened. We feel threatened in the relationship. And the reason we feel threatened in our relationship is because we feel that our spouse is not providing us with our primary need. And sometimes we feel that it's a blatant, abusive act against what we and our expectations are from our spouse. What am I talking about? Let me tell you what I'm talking about a little clearer. You see... We both have our primary needs, right? So men have their primary needs in the relationship and women have their primary needs in the relationships. What is the man's primary need in the relationship? The man's primary need in general is to feel achieved. In the relationship, the way he feels achieved is by making his wife happy and feeling that she's, she's happy and she's good and she's fine. The second the husband feels that the wife is not happy, then he feels a void he feels that he's responsible to make her happy. He's responsible to provide her with what she needs. And when that doesn't happen, he starts feeling bad. But you know what? He feels bad, first of all, for her. But many times, if not most times, he starts feeling bad about himself. You hear me? The husband starts feeling bad about himself, like he's a failure and he cannot make his wife happy. And then I have these husbands who tell me, you know, I can never make my wife happy. And this I hear. No matter what, I'm telling you, I'll give her whatever she wants. 
she'll want this, she wants that. I can never make her happy. Now, that's, that's that. Then, sometimes, then, then the women. What's the woman's primary need? Woman's primary need generally is to feel loved, to feel cared for, to feel special, to feel cherished, to feel taken care of. And if that feeling goes away, and sometimes it happens the way she perceives it, you hear me? The way the woman perceives it as being done blatantly against her by her husband, not just not caring about her, but doing something that shows that he doesn't care about her, doing something that shows that he, he far from loves her or cares about her or, or anything like that. And then what happens is she feels threatened. When the woman feels threatened, then her emotional sensor is triggered. And when her emotional sensor is triggered, then she feels threatened and then she reacts. And both men and women both react to their emotional sensors. Now, what happens is, and I could tell you this probably happens in your home, and hopefully it doesn't a lot, but sometimes it does. What happens is, is that there's a harsh reaction. There's a harsh reaction from the spouse who feels threatened. Now remember, why are they feeling threatened? They don't know anything for sure, but they're suspecting. They're suspecting based on the evidence of whatever happened that their husband or their wife does not wish to fulfill them with their primary need. And therefore their sense of security and attachment in the relationship is threatened. And therefore they, re- they react in a harsh way. Now, I want to tell you something. This is very important what I'm about to say. And some of you are going to say, eh, not necessarily. But I'm telling you it's true. I'm telling you it's true. I, 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 I'm not even saying maybe. I'm saying this is true. And the reason I'm saying this is true is because Baruch Hashem, I've been Zoha to work with a lot of couples. And I see this all the time. And that is the reaction that your husband is going to have or your wife is going to have or that you're going to have when you feel threatened, when your emotional sensor is set off, is triggered. Most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time is going to mimic the reaction that your parents had when their emotional sensors were triggered. Do you hear what I'm saying? This is so important. It's important to think about it. And it's so funny because when you think about your husband and how he reacts when he feels threatened or attacked or criticized, then it's very clear for you, right? It's very clear for you that he's acting just like his father, just like his mother. And, and when you think about your wife, it's also very clear. But what's not clear is how you react. And that really takes a vote out. That really takes a vote to think, why am I reacting in a certain way? Why do I scream at my spouse? Why do I stonewall my spouse? Why am I sarcastic to my spouse? Why? Why am I doing this? Most of the time, because this is what you saw in your house, and that's, that's how your little mini car was trained when you were a kid, and therefore when you're older, you really mimic the behavior you've seen in your parents' home. This is not always true. I know this is not always true. And in your relationship, if you think about it, it's going to be very clear to you, maybe, maybe, probably, that your spouse does it many times, but you're not thinking about yourself. You should really think about yourself also. So this is what happens. So the same way, in the same way that your car, your vehicle, when it gets triggered, when your vehicle gets triggered and the sensor goes off, right? You, what you need to do is you don't go crazy. You don't like lose it. You think, okay, the sensor just went off. What should I do? Should I take it to the mechanic? Should I put in more oil? Does my car need more water? 
let me think about it. Let me just let me not react in a wild manner. What I'm going to do is I'm going to let my brain be in control, not my emotions. I'm going to let my brain be in control. And because there's no emotions involved, your attachment is not being threatened. It's very easy. It's really easy. You just think about it. What am I going to do? I'm going to go check the oil. If there's oil in my car, I'll move on. I don't care. So this, there's a problem with the sensor. It'll fix up. You know, sometimes there was a problem with the inflation of the tire. You, 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 you put air in the tire, but the, the thing is still there. Okay. You need to take it to a mechanic to take off the switch, but you have air in your tire. It's fine now. It's all okay. Right? So you know you can move on. Sometimes you know you can't. Sometimes you don't have to move on. So it's very simple when it comes to a car, but it's very complicated when it comes to your relationship. It's very, very complicated when it comes to your relationship. You want to know why? Let me tell you why. Because there's an autopilot. The autopilot is really what generally what's in control. Even right now when you're listening to me, whatever you're doing, I'm telling you most of your behaviors based on autopilot. You're not thinking of everything you're doing. You're not thinking of walking. You're not thinking of breathing. All your physiological movements you're not thinking about. You're not thinking about your behavioral movements either. If you're cooking for Shabbos, you're not thinking about it. It's in the back of your mind. Yeah, you automatically do it and you autopilot. You're cooking for Shabbos. You've done it so many times. you made potato cookies so many times. You have to take out a recipe book and figure it out. You know how to do it. Our gentlemen who are listening to me, if you're driving or whatever you're doing, you have to think about when, like, when you first learned how to drive, turn right, turn left, this, that. How do I turn the steering wheel? How do I move my feet, my, the pedals? You don't think about it. It's all on autopilot. Most of what we do is on autopilot. There's, there's a certain learning curve where we learn how to do it. And then we are on autopilot. And that's what happens in our relationship too. We're on autopilot, meaning when the emotional sensor goes off, and you feel threatened in your relationship, you go to, on autopilot. And like I said before, generally your autopilot is going to mimic what you've seen at home when you were a child. And that's how you're going to react. And if you've seen your father scream or your mother scream, you're going to scream. If you've seen your father and mother stole or stole, and sometimes you'll do the exact opposite because you hated what you saw in your house. So you'll do ex- the exact opposite. And that's going to be your autopilot. Your autopilot is going to be whatever it is. And many times you have spouses where one spouse wants to communicate, like in a normal fashion. The other spouse doesn't want to communicate. Why? Because that's not their autopilot. Their autopilot is to run away, is to escape, not to talk about it. And when you try to talk about it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. But then it actually gets a little bit deeper. And I'm going to explain you now, okay? I'm going to explain you now. Let me give you, let me give you a muscle. Let me give you an example of a, you know, a case that, could happen in your home for those of you who are married. Okay. So now, Shabbos. Shabbos, you know, is the thing on Shabbos. It's a very big mitzvah to prepare for Shabbos, to clean up for Shabbos, to do whatever we can for Shabbos. Shabbos is like, you know, Shabbos is a cornerstone. One of the cornerstones of Aramuna is Shabbos. Why? Because, because Shabbos is basically, basically, um, those of us who keep Shabbos, what Shabbos is basically saying, the, the, the message of Shabbos is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world in six days, and then HaKadosh Baruch Hu stopped creating and rested on the seventh day. So by us keeping Shabbos is tantamount to us declaring a big sign, a big billboard out there that we believe in Hashem, that Hashem created the world in six days and rested on the seventh. So we... We believe in a Kaddish Baruch Hu. It's, it's, it's a foundation of Amuna. That's what it is. A foundation of Amuna of a Baruch Hu that we believe in Hashem. Now, 
so we prepare for Shabbos. We have a Shabbos, and it's it's generally, and you see, I use the term generally. It's generally a very positive thing to invite people for Shabbos, guests for Shabbos. Now you have to be careful of this because you know, especially for those of you who are very stressed during the week, there's a lot going on, and you have this issue, that issue, the other issue, right? Am I talking to you now? <laughs> right? It seems like everybody's like that these days, but. Hey, it's Olam, ha- Olam Hazen. So in any case, um, comes Shabbos. Many of us want to relax on Shabbos. So we don't necessarily, even though we like guests, but we don't want guests every week. Sometimes we have one spouse who wants guests every week, and another spouse doesn't want guests every week. They want sometimes, sometimes yes, sometimes not. But now, listen to what happens. What happens is, is like this. You know, it's the following story where your husband... Ladies who are listening to me, your husband, what he does is, is this particular Shabbos, which you already had guests for, for a bunch of Shabbos, I mean, you were looking to relax with the children, those of you who have children, and just to not, you know, not worry about anything and not to, to entertain someone else and not to be able to, you know, to not need to constantly worry about somebody else. And you feel you deserve it and you do deserve it. And your husband lets you know, by the way, I just want to let you know I invited my brother for Shabbos. Invite your brother for Shabbos. Okay. He's a single boy. He's an older boy. He's a brother. Now, he's not a bad kid, but it's just, you know, you got to prepare a bed for him. And, and, and sometimes he says these comments on the table, which are just, they're not bad, but they're just it just takes away from the Shabbos flavor. It's work. And you really didn't want him. And he tells you he invited his brother to Shabbos. And you're like, you're thinking to yourself, like, what? What's going on here? Right? What's going on here? You invited your brother for Shabbos without asking me? Now, I want to tell you, ladies, there's a lot of depth to this feeling. You, you don't necessarily understand the feeling exactly, but you know you're annoyed. You know you're annoyed. You're annoyed at your husband. But the problem is, the problem is, is that what happened just now is your husband calls, oh, by the way, I brought my brother for Shabbos. By the way, by the way. And he tells you this Thursday night. So like not like, you're supposed to cancel him now? By the way, I invited my brother for Shabbos. So if you, and by the way, this, this could go either way, men and women, but okay, fine. So now you feel annoyed at your husband. Okay. You feel annoyed. Now what's really going on there, feeling annoyed is that's the sensor. The sensor went off, right? The same way you have the sensor in your car where the light goes off. Beep, beep. Look at the light. It's like a red light. Oh, there's a problem. Low oil. The problem. Okay. So the sensor went off. So I want you all to understand one thing. This, this, this is like very, very pivotal and important. Are you listening to me now? Thank you. And that is your feeling of being annoyed does not mean that your husband did something bad. Did you just hear me? I really hope you just heard me. And I'm going to repeat this because this is so, 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 so important. Your feeling of being annoyed at your husband or your feeling of being annoyed at your wife does not mean that your that your husband or your wife committed something horrible or terrible or even bad. It does not mean. All it means is that you're annoyed. I know you don't want to hear this, what I'm saying to you. And I know those of you who are listening to me, you listen to me for a while, I know you're not going to necessarily shut off, shut me down right now. Hopefully not. But I will tell you one thing, and I have to be frank with you. All it is is the sensor going off. It's possible that your husband did something really bad. I'm not saying that's not possible. But it doesn't mean anything. All it is is a sensor. That's all it is. The same way the sensor goes off in your car, I'm telling you, your sensor is faulty. 
it's not even like sometimes it's faulty. I'm even venturing to say that most of the time your sensor is faulty. I'm telling you, I know now you might be getting annoyed at me, but I'm going to be very sincere with you. Most of the time your sensor is faulty. I'm not saying that maybe your husband should have thought of, thought twice about it or maybe your husband should really be cognitive about what he's doing. That might be true. But your level of annoyance right now, after hearing that your husband invited his brother over, just the fact how much you're annoyed, just the fact that you're even like in your brain already, it's like, okay, you did something wrong. You don't care about me. I'm telling you it's faulty. Almost 95% of these impasses, you hear me? I hope you're listening to me now. This is probably more important than the other piece. Almost 95% of the impasses of the fights that happen between husbands and wife. If we would only think with our brain and we would not let our emotions get involved. If we were to completely ignore our emotions. I, I know what I'm saying is impossible. You listen to my classes, you know, I, I'm very cognitive about emotions. I know they're real. I know that we get annoyed. I know the feeling of getting annoyed. I will tell you though, if we were to completely ignore that feeling of annoyance and just remain calm and just talk to our husbands and our wives in a non-threatening way where we just want to work it out, I'm not upset at you at all. I just want to understand what happened here. I'm not upset. I'm not upset. Even though I'm feeling upset, I, I, I'm feeling the rage, but I'm going to ignore that as if it's possible to do, by the way. I, what I'm telling you right now might be like a musr schmooze, but... But it's not realistic. Yeah, I said it. It's not realistic. I'm not saying the Muslim schmoozes are not realistic. They are realistic. Because there's something else. We do have our emotions. We are not robots. I know we're not robots. When we get annoyed, it's very easy to listen to me on the radio or whatnot and say, oh, yeah, okay, I'm not going to get annoyed next time. No, no, no. You're going to get annoyed. You are going to get annoyed. But just I'm just saying this theoretically for a second. What I'm talking to you right now is theoretical. Make-believe. If it was possible to shut down our emotions every time we get annoyed at our spouse, you hear me? Shut it down. If it's possible to shut it down and then to just go over to our spouse and to say, I'm not upset. I just want to understand what happened that you invited your brother. What happened? Just usually you ask me what happened or to tell your, or to tell your wife, I'm not upset. I'm sure there was a good reason that you left the heat on all day and it cost me whatever money it is. There was no reason for it to be on 73 when no one's home. You could have left on 65. I'm sure there's a good reason. Just if you could just please explain it to me. I'm telling you 95% of the time, you would see there's no, no reason to fight. Because what happened was this morning, she was just really busy. And the reason she was busy is because the doctor called and there was a problem with the health insurance. And... And the child need, might need to go to the doctor and, and his medicine and there's coverage and whatever it is. And she just totally forgot about lowering the heat. She totally forgot about it. I'm not saying it should be her responsibility, but let's say in your house you have this thing because, you know, you don't have a timer on the, on, on the thermostat. You have, you know, she just turns it lower before she, before she leaves, you know, and, and you listen to her out and you understand she didn't do anything bad. There was not, nothing happened. There's no reason to be upset. Nobody wants to upset the other. Your husband doesn't want to upset you. Your wife doesn't want to upset you. I'm telling you, they don't. I'm telling you. This whole thing is a faulty sensor. I'm telling you, you have faulty sensors. I have faulty sensors. And 
what it really what happens is is if we jump on the bandwagon, meaning if we just use our autopilot, and that is, oh, I'm annoyed. Okay, let me just react. How am I going to react? I'm going to react probably the way I saw my parents react, or I'm react the exact opposite way because I hated the way my parents reacted, and it's just we're just going to react the way I feel. I'm going to react the way I feel I should react. That's going to be machlokas. That's going to cause distance. That's going to put a dagger into your relationship. That's going to literally damage the development, the psychological development of a sense of security for your children. All of that, you want to know why? Because you're acting on autopilot. It's like someone who, who, who has this faulty sensor in their car and it's faulty, and they keep on going back to the mechanic and back to the mechanic, back to the mechanic. They're at the mechanic all day. They don't go to work. They don't take care of the errands. They're all the mechanic. The mechanic keeps on telling them there's no problem, but I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back. I'm going to do that because that's what I have to do. Because it's a sensor, sensor, sensor in the car. I got to run. The mechanic. Hello? Do you realize what you're doing? This is what you're doing in your relationship. This is what you're doing in your relationship. You're just going with the flow. The flow is your sensor. Your emotional sensor feels attacked, feels threatened. Ladies, generally what it is, generally, I know there are exceptions, generally it is, I'm telling you what it is, is that you feel that your husband doesn't care about you. If he would have cared about you, he would have called you. He wouldn't just invite his brother over for Shabbos. You've mentioned to him that it's not easy for him to say, like, you've mentioned this to him many times. You told him how hard it is. Like, can't he just put one plus one together and just get it? Why doesn't he just get it? Why doesn't your husband just get it? You do it for him. You have his brother over, but you wanted to have a Shabbos. You told him last Shabbos already. You told him last Shabbos. You said to him very clearly that next Shabbos you want to take a break. Didn't he hear you? No, he probably did hear you. He doesn't care. He cares about his brother more than he cares about you. And that's the truth. And sometimes the sensor is so powerful that it convinces us that there's no other way. It's a fact. My husband cares about his brother more than he cares about me. My husband cares about his father, his mother more about me. And just we just feel that. It's just in our heart. It's hard to take out of our heart because that's the way we feel. But if you're going to act on your autopilot, it's going to cause distance. And then you're going to feel more distance because you only started feeling bad about the fact that your husband doesn't care about you because he invited his brother. But now if you're going to start fighting with him, oh boy, you're going to feel unloved. Oh boy, you're going to feel unloved. Gentlemen, I'm talking to you too. I'm not just talking to the ladies. I'm telling to you too. You're not communicating with your with your wives either many times correctly. You're working on your autopilot because why? Because you're annoyed. You're annoyed at your wife. So since you're annoyed, you just do all the autopilot stuff that you always do. Yeah, she deserves it. I'm annoyed at her. So what are you feeling, gentlemen? I'll tell you what you're feeling. What you're feeling, gentlemen, is you're feeling that your primary need is being, is being threatened in the relationship. And what's that? What's that? Let me tell you. And that is you're feeling that you're not achieving in the relationship. You're feeling that you're trying to make your wife happy all the time. What don't you do for your wife? And she's not happy with you. She's just not happy. And many times you hear her saying this to you. Your wife will tell you, you're never there for me. I can't believe this. You do this to me all the time. And that really hurts. That really hurts. It's one thing. Okay, I made a mistake. Tell me, tell me, you know what? I wasn't, I wasn't home on time. But to tell me I'm never home on time, 
to tell me that I'm never there for you? Like three nights ago, I spent who knows how many hours with you. I took you out and everything. And now you, like, you totally forgot about that. Whatever happened to that? But what you lack to remember is that you have a faulty sensor. And you can't take your wife at exactly what she's saying. She's wearing her hats now. You learned about marriage. She has her hat. She's hungry, angry, tired, or stressed. She's going to say things that aren't true because that's the way she feels right now. But when she takes off her hat, then you could sit with her and say to her, by the way, I'm sorry, just that. The other thing, do you really feel I'm never there for you? And she'll say, no, I just, I was very angry. Yes, I'm talking to you too, Mr. Who's listening to me right now. I'm talking to you too. Don't think because your wife said that. This a lot of people make this mistake. They say, no. Well, I, you know, when it says that you can recognize someone with his kiss, with his coast, with his kas, it doesn't mean, and I, I want to make this clear, it does not mean that the truth comes out. It does not mean the truth comes out. It doesn't mean. What it means is you could see how someone reacts. You could see how much self-control he has. Someone's could be a, a person could be a really nice guy, but when he gets angry, he, he flips the lid. Women, it can happen to you too. You get angry all of a sudden. So then you see how a person really acts. Meaning, you okay, they're autopilots to be a nice guy. But when they're put to the test, they can't control themselves. That's that's what you see. You don't see the truth. Don't fool yourself and say, oh, now I heard what you said. You see, you think I'm never there for you. Okay, now I know. Now I know how you, now, now I know how you really feel about me. This is a mistake that both men and women make all the time. That when their spouse has their hats on in the middle of like a big fight or whatever it is, and they say something, it's like, oh, no, no, I know what they really feel. No, that's what they really felt at that time during them being impaired. Do you hear me? During them being impaired, that's how they felt at that time. Yeah, during that time, they felt that you're never there for them. But they weren't themselves. They were in a craze. They were in a craze. They were in a stupor because they were so... So, and listen to the word I'm going to use now. Listen to the word I'm using now. They were so, so hurt. Not angry. Angry is just a coping strategy. Angry is a protective mechanism. That's what angry is. They were really hurt. They were hurt. They're not going to put themselves in a vulnerable position and tell you that they're hurt because then they might just get hurt even more. They don't want to get hurt even more. So instead what happens is our autopilot, we don't do this by way, we don't think about it, it just happens automatically. Instead what happens is we get angry. Angry is a cover-up for hurt. Angry is a cover-up for emptiness. Angry is a cover-up for, for feeling, feeling unsure about our attachment. Feeling insecure. That's what angry really, it's a coping strategy for what's really going on. So instead we, we angry. And then there's a thing called fight or flight. It's like, I, I, I can't take this feeling. This is not good, so I'm going to fight you. So I'm going to argue with you. And then you know what happens. Let me tell you what happens. What happens after that is that we jump into our autopilot toxic responses, which and it really is, you know what it really is? It's mass blaming. It's blaming. We really blame. And then here's what happens. So now your husband invited his brother over for Shabbos. He didn't ask you. You spoke to him already in the past about that it's difficult for you. You spoke to him already about the past that you want to have a Shabbos not to invite any guests. And he invited his brother. He just tells you, oh, by the way, I invited my brother for Shabbos. And instead of like taking a step back, 
taking a step back. Remember what I said about turning off our emotions and thinking, I know that's not possible. What you really need to do at that point, ladies and gentlemen, what you really need to do at the point is just give yourself time. That's your best friend. Time is your best friend. Give yourself time because you are way too angry right now. Your your husband just triggered your hats. Your hats are on now. Oh, boy. You know which part of the hats? The A, the angry. You are so angry right now. You are so angry at him. Can't believe you did that. You invited your brother for Shabbos. Like we've been having guests every week now. Every week. I didn't prepare for your brother. I didn't. I wasn't going to prepare beds now. I wasn't going to deal with your brother's remarks. I, I was not interested. And you invited your brother. Wow. Wow. So you know you, you know how, how you react to your husband? Here's what you say. Can I ask you a question? Do you think it's normal to just invite people to this house without asking me first? Like, I don't understand you. How could you do such a thing? I don't understand. Okay. Now, you might think to yourself at this point, Rebbe Giffield, what do you mean? But didn't you tell me that you should ask your husband? No! I was saying to ask your husband when you're calm, when you're relaxed, not when you're upset. You got your hats on now. It's not a time to find out. It's not a time to negotiate. It's not a time to, like, to, to scout out what happened. You got to give yourself time right now. You are way, way, way too upset. You are way, way, way too upset. If it's an issue that you can't give you time because you want to take care of you, say to him, Shlomo, Yaakov, honey, whatever you call your husband, I understand that you, bought, you invited your, hus- your, your brother, but I, it's really not a good Shabbos for me. But why not? It's really, I don't want to get into it. I just don't want to get into it. It's really not a good Shabbos. And in, the, and in your mind, you can think, oh boy, I should be so much more tough with her, with him right now because he's being disgusting. I can't leave it. But that you can say. But not, can I ask you a question? Do you think it's normal to invite people without asking me first? Or sarcasm. Sarcasm. That what? Here, give me an example. Let's say, I'm, I'm actually gonna take this in like a continuous, you know, like thing. Say you say to your husband, you think it's normal to invite people asking first? So your husband says to you, oh, you, you're, what do you mean? You're upset at me? You're upset at me? Right? So you, what do you say to your brother, your husband? No, I'm not upset. You can invite your brother without telling me. No problem. I, you know what? Just, you could just invite your brother whenever you want. Don't even bother telling me. Don't bother telling me. Because, you know, the truth is I don't even exist in your brain. So it doesn't make a difference. Ooh. Ooh. That's called sarcasm at its worst. And that's how people react. Yeah. You, you've heard people talk like this. You know what I'm talking about. I hope it's not happening in your house. But you've heard people. This, this is an autopilot response to what? To your emotional sensor. Your emotional sense of feeling hurt, feeling uncared, unloved, feeling like your husband is just like, he's just, he's just, he's just disgusting. And then next, next, you could go on either as a continuation of the conversation that you're having with your husband or just a reaction when you hear about this. Can I ask you a question? How would you like it if I would invite my parents over for Shabbos? How would you like that without asking you? Would you like that? Oh, now he understands. That's the perfect response. No, it's not the perfect response. The perfect response is not to say anything. The perfect response is not to say anything because you're way too annoyed right now. This is not a time to talk about it. Not a time. Next, four, belittling. You know what? I hope this is not happening in your house. You know, I don't even know why I'm upset at you. You just, you just obviously have issues. You just, you just don't get things. You just don't get things. I could talk to you again and again and again and again and again, but you just don't get it. You don't get it. Like there's something wrong with you. You know, that's belittling. 
You think that's going to help? You think that's going to help you bring you closer to your husband? Do you think this is going to help bring you closer to your wife? Do you think this is going to help for the children, those of you who have children in your house, that they hear this? Do you think that's going to help? I'm asking you. No. Obviously, it's not going to help. So why do you do it? Because you're just going into your autopilot. And that's how your father reacted or your mother reacted. Oh, no? You don't think so? How about your spouse? How's your spouse react when they get upset? They, they act like their mother, right? Or their father, right? That's more clear to you. I'm telling you, you do the same. I do the same. That's our autopilot. We have to fight our autopilot. When we feel annoyed, when we feel threatened from our spouse, we can't, we can't just take that emotional sensor and just jump onto the bandwagon and go into the autopilot, the reactions that we've seen in our homes or the reactions that we've, you know, that we've developed over the years. We, we can't do that. Why can't we do that? Let me tell you why we can't do that. For three reasons. Number one, because you're creating a tremendous distance between you and your husband, you and you and your wife. And for those of you who think, ah, I don't care. My marriage, ah, it's not. Oh, really? You don't care. Okay. Fine. You care about yourself. Do you care about your future? Do you care about all the things that you want? Well, guess what? You know who's in control of that? Hashem is in control of that. It's something called Mida Kenegad Mida. You're asking Hashem for what? You're asking Hashem for Rachmanis. You said Tachnan this morning? Yeah, you said Tachnan this morning? What are you asking for? What are you asking for? You're asking for Chesed Chinam. You're asking for free Chesed. Free Chesed! Hashem, I don't deserve it. Give me free Chesed. And how are you reacting to your wife? How are you acting to your husband? And you want free chesed from Hashem. Okay, hopefully that Baruch Hu still will give you. But it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing to react that way. It's not. Instead, control yourselves. Control yourselves. And you know what you should do? Nothing. When you hear this, don't do anything. If it's something that's really important, you can just say to your husband, Moshe, I, I, I understand you invited your husband. It's it's really not a good job. You're just going to have to somehow figure out a way because I... I, I I can't. Why not? I don't want to get into it right now. I just, it's just not going to work. We could talk about it later. I, I, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Thank you. Goodbye. Click. That's it. It's over. Don't lose it. Don't go into your autopilot. Don't do that. Many of you have seen that at home. Don't do it. Don't do it. Your spouse does it. Well, you want to be better than him. You want to be like him. What do you want to do? You want to mimic him? You want to mimic her? Don't do it. Don't do it. Control yourselves. Control yourselves. And remember, later on, that's really happening is that, here's what's happening. Let's just play this out. You see, what happens is, is that when your husband invited your brother over for Shabbos, I'm telling your husband didn't have a clue that it would be a problem. He did not have a clue. Oh, Rabbi Greenfield, you don't know my husband. We go through this all the time. He invites people without asking me. Everything you're saying is true, except for one thing. If I were to tell your husband before he invited your brother, his brother, I would have said to him, by the way, Shlomo, I just want to tell you that by you inviting your brother right now, you're going to get your wife so annoyed. She's going to be so annoyed at you that it's going to cause such machlokas in your home you have no idea. So you choose now. Is it your brother or your wife? What's more important? You and I know 
that there's no question about it that he would not have invited his brother. Because the last thing he wants is machlokas. Hopefully he doesn't want machlokas because he loves you and cares about you. And even if he, chas that's not happening, which it is happening. But if, if it's not happening, he, he wants to get into a fight. It's not worth it. I'm going to get into a fight with my wife. That's not worth it. So I'm telling you, your husband, 1000% did not want to annoy you. He does care about you and he does love you. You're not going to feel it. And that's why I'm telling you, you need time to process it. But that's the truth. That's the truth. Now, what happens is, if you're going to tell your husband, when you hear that he invited his brother over for Shabbos, you're going to say to him, can I ask you a question? Do you think it's normal just to invite people without asking me? You know what happens? What happens then is, number one, you're not really communicating your true feelings because you're 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 scared to 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 communicate your true feelings because that's putting yourself in a vulnerable position that you're gonna want then you you don't want to get hurt even more and I understand that I get that I'm not I'm not saying I don't get that but to say to que- to criticize him in a question way what you're really doing is you're blaming him that's really what you're doing gentlemen I'm talking to you too I'm just giving this example but you know it works both ways equally equally. So when you say to your husband, can I ask you a question? Do you think it's normal to just invite people without asking me first? Or if you say to your wife, can I ask you a question? Do you think it's normal to just, to just, uh, to, to just hire the heat to 73 when you know that how much money I'm paying, I'm not doing well financially right now, and, 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 uh, you're raising the heat to so high, I mean, the whole day? Like, can I ask you a question? Do you think it's normal? Right? So, ladies, I'm talking, it works both ways, but the processing is different both by man and by woman. When the husband hears from his wife, can I ask you a question? You think it's normal just to invite people to ask you first? You know what happens? Let me tell you what happens. What happens is he feels, he doesn't even realize this. And you want to argue with me, man? No problem. You can argue with me. And you can just do it your own way. Do it the way you've always been doing it and just create those machlokas. But I'm telling you what's really going on. What's really going on is that you feel that your wife feels that you're a failure. You failed me again. You failed me. Now, meaning, do you think it's normal to invite people? I can't believe you invited your brother without asking me. You know what? You're just just an idiot. Like, seriously, you have an issue. You have issues. That's how he feels, your husband. He feels like like you think that he's not a good person. He's bad. Doesn't know how to make you happy. Cannot accomplish what his primary need is to feel achieved in a relationship that he's not making you happy. So he's a failure. That's what he feels. Now, that's not what you're trying to communicate to him. What you're trying to communicate to him is that if you would have, if you care about me and love me, you wouldn't have done that. But that's not what he's hearing. What he's hearing is that you're a failure. And what's going to happen is he's not going to be able to deal with that feeling because Hashem does not, the way Hashem programmed our minds, we don't want to feel like failures. So he's going to fight with you. And he's going to show you there's nothing wrong with what he did. He's going to say to you, no, no, I didn't tell him. I didn't tell him he could come for sure. I said, I'm going to speak to my wife. It's probably okay. So he's trying to take away from that. I, I'm not a bad, I'm not a bad person. I'm not a bad person. I didn't tell him to do that. Or he'll say to you, what do you mean? What do you mean? We have my brother over all the time. I didn't think it's a problem this Shabbos. What do you mean? Again, he's trying to tell you. I'm not a failure. I'm not a bad person. 
Nothing bad about me. Because when you say to him, ladies, can I ask you a question? Do you think it's normal to invite people? Or when you say to your husband, yeah, yeah, no problem. You can invite your brother without telling me. Just do that all the time. No problem. I don't even exist in your book. I don't even exist. How do you think he feels? He feels like he's a complete failure. Can I ask you a question? How would you like if I would invite my parents? I'm asking you all these types of autopilot toxic responses, question, criticism, sarcasm, feel my pain, and belittling, which are really just mask blaming. It's really blaming. I'm blaming my spouse. It's your fault. What happens is, is that your spouse is going to feel bad about themselves. There's something wrong with them. I'm not a good person. I'm a failure. And this, and dependent on the sensitivity of your spouse, that's how dangerous these types of responses are. Do you hear me? Dependent on the sensitivity of your spouse. Meaning, if your husband has a low sense of self-esteem, if your wife has a low sense of self-esteem, you're not sure about this, but why don't you think about their childhood? Why don't you think about their experiences in school? Why don't you think about about how many friends they have? Um, and by the way, I don't mean having friends doesn't mean that they have necessarily a high sense of sometimes, – sometimes people have so many friends because they have a very low sense of self-esteem. Sometimes people have no friends, right? But think about your husband. Ladies, I think you're more in tune with this than the men. But I'm telling you, many of your spouses feel very bad about themselves. They're not happy about themselves. Maybe they don't not happy about themselves right now because maybe your husbands are not making money. Maybe your wives are not are not feeling like good mothers. Many things can happen. Many things can happen. But what I'm telling you is that if you have a spouse with a low sense of self-esteem, then these types of autopilot toxic responses are very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. And many times, you know what it happens? It can happen either way. Either way, either it's going to become into like a big fight, like a match, and then before you know it, you're stucking each other. Or it could become, in a certain sense, in a certain sense worse, where your husband just shuts down or your wife just shuts down because they just don't, they don't want to deal with it. And then it creates like this whole distance. And then there's like this whole distance between you and your spouse, and it could go on for a while. And you know who suffers besides you? Your children. Those of you who have children at home. They suffer because they sense it. And it offends their sense of security. So you know what I'm telling you, Lamaisa? What I'm telling you, Lamaisa, as they say, is do not, do not fall in to your autopilot response and criticize and be sarcastic and ask and feel my pain and be belittling. That's not going to get the message across. It never ever in the history of the world happened that when a wife says to her husband or a husband says to his wife, I'm just giving this example, right? When the wife says to her husband, she says to him, can I ask you a question? Do you think it's normal to just invite people without asking me first? Do you think it's normal? Where the husband says, you're right, you're right, it's not normal. I'm sorry, I'm just really not normal. It never happened. And it never happened where you, where the wife says to her husband, oh yeah, you know what, just, you could go ahead and invite your brother without telling me. Just do it, cause you know what, I don't even exist in your book. I don't even exist in your book. Where the husband says to her, oh, oh okay, fine, fine, oh, okay, I won't invite him anymore. No problem, no problem. Or feel my pain. Or feel my pain. Can I ask you a question? How would you like it if I invite my parents? Or belittling. You know what, I don't even know why I'm upset at you. You just obviously have issues. You just don't get, you just don't get things. You have issues. And where the husband says, oh, yeah, you're right, I have issues, I'm so sorry, I have issues, you're right, you're right, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It doesn't happen. So these types of toxic responses, 
All it does is create distance. That's all it does. And you know that's true because many of these things happen in your homes. All it does is create distance. So what works? Let me tell you what works. What works is at first not to say anything. Just calm down. You're way too upset now. You're way, way, way too upset. Give yourself an hour. Oh, I can't get Find something else to do. You're way too upset. And in addition, you didn't eat yet. You didn't drink yet. There's pressure. There's stress. There's doctors. There's health insurance. There's money. There's, there's, there's who knows what. Who knows what? Hopefully not. But unfortunately, there's a lot these days, right? Hopefully it'll go away. Shem will help us. It's part of our nisyonos. But it's, it, it, these, these types of responses are not going to help in your relationship. Give yourself time. Give yourself time. Calm down. Give yourself time. And then just don't say anything. And just let it go if you could just let it go completely. If you can't let it go, then later on, we spoke about negotiation. We spoke about it. You can go over to your husband and say to him, listen, Moshe, there must have been a good reason, but I just feel like, like I'm just not understanding here. I, I, I told you, if you could just explain me what happened, you invited your brother. I, I thought whatever. So he'll say, to me, he'll say to you, I had no idea. And that actually allows him to apologize because now he doesn't feel like you're telling him that he's bad. Gentlemen, this works the other way around also. I'm not just talking to your wives. This happens the other way around too where you're criticizing your husband, where you're losing it, where you're acting like bears. That's what's happening. You're acting like bears. That doesn't, that does, that's not going to solve the issue. Instead, you could come to your wife later on and you can say to her, you know, you probably didn't mean it. I just want to understand what happened this morning. You should really just let it go. But I'm talking about where you just can't let it go because it's happening again and again and again and again and again and again. So you can't let it go. Okay, fine. But generally, you have to let it go. Generally, you have to let it go. You hear me? Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. And then later on, you can do what we spoke about. And that's what? If you need to and you can't be mavata, you could say, I'm sure there was a good reason. But, when you invited your brother without asking me, it makes me feel like, I don't know, it makes me feel like you don't care about me. But don't even do that. First say to him, I'm sure there's a good reason. Can you just explain to me what happened that you invited your brother? Like we sp- I thought we spoke about it last week. So he'll say, you're right, I totally forgot. Or he'll say whatever he'll say. And generally, it'll work out because he'll have a good excuse. And then you'll be able to accept it now because now you're calm. I- I don't, I'm not even saying you should have these conversations. You should really be mavater. But if you have this conversation, and if he doesn't have a good reason, and he tells you, yeah, because I thought that whatever it is, so then you can say to him, listen, I, I know you didn't mean to hurt my feelings, but it was just very hurtful for me. I, I don't want to get into it with you, but it was really hurtful for me that you're inviting, like you're inviting your brother. It's just really hurtful for me. Okay, so he'll say, I'm sorry. If I w- I'm sorry. Or he'll say, if I would have known, I would have never done it. He'll use the fire escape. Okay, so you'll work it out. Again, I'm not saying you should negotiate. It should be mavata. I'm talking about where you just cannot let it go. It's just on your heart the whole time. You can't think about it. Can't stop thinking about it nonstop that he invited his brother over Shabbat. So you can't, gentlemen, you can't think about, stop thinking about it. The fact that she, you asked her a million times to turn the heat lower when you leave the house or to turn the air conditioner lower, whatever, whatever you're listening to this, right? And it just, whatever, right? So here, here's what I'm saying to you, ladies and gentlemen. What I'm saying to you is that do not, React based on your emotional sensor. This is not, this is not, you know, the same way by your vehicle, your car. You're not just going to go crazy and bring the car to the oil change again and again when the mechanic tells you it's fine. It's not a problem. Ignore the sensor. It'll go off. 
then you can act cognitively, right? Not emotionally. Don't jump on the emotional sensor and act through autopilots with toxic autopilot responses, which is really blaming your husband and blaming your wife. Do not do that. Instead, give yourself time. Calm down. Be mavater. If you can't be mavater, then you can negotiate by first defending your spouse and saying, I'm sure there was good reason for it. Maybe you can explain me what happened. And if they don't come up with a good explanation, you know what? I guess we're not going to agree, but it was just very hurtful and work it out. What I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, is thank you for listening. We are starting a pilot. Jade was starting a pilot program. Piloting, piloting. Slowly getting on, on the radio waves, back on the radio waves. This show will be on Monday night. Those might be listening to Monday night. Monday night on 9.30 a.m. Can you imagine? Can you believe it? Wonderful. Baruch Hashem Eloshem Kizov if you want to sponsor, oh boy, we need sponsors for this. 917-397-2841, 917-397-2841 for feedback, for questions, for sponsorship. I'll send the right person for you to call you. 917-397-2841, 9.30 a.m. I'm Monday night. Thank you for listening. Have an amazing, connecting, wonderful week.